When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today in history, in 1647, a new law bans Catholic priests from the colony of Massachusetts. The penalty is banishment or death for a second offense. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I'm your sad romantic poet, Zachary, and I look like I haven't left my bed or my study in months, yet somehow I make it all kinds of sexy. Uh, my name's Megan. I will be your oracle for the evening, but I will be not, I will not be taking questions at this time. Thank you. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that Bob Marley gave writing credit for the song No Woman No Cry to a man named Vincent Ford who ran a soup kitchen and he was able to keep the soup kitchen open on the royalties that he received from the song. Oh, that's cool. That's really sweet. That is pretty cool. Yeah, that's like super sweet. That's I like I kind of so like this bit. I like this bit of the today I learned because one I could just be browsing the internet and find, like, a random thing that I can then impart on our viewers, which is sort of like a tidbit of, you know, a today in history, essentially. And that, or, uh, well, you do the today in history, I do the today I learned. You know, it's it's little snippets of knowledge before we bombard them with More snippets larger of knowledge. snippets of knowledge. I feel like it's snippets of knowledge and then we rain down meteors of hellfire knowledge. <laughs> Rain down meteors of hellfire knowledge. That is that is an apt description. We're just going to slap them in the face. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and anyone who may not use those gendered terminologies, a game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order tonight is Zach, Megan, and bringing up the rear, myself. So, Zach, what have you got for us? I have a story for you. Okay. Tell me all about it. <laughs> Can you imagine if he, he started off and he was like, I have nothing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, passed. I, I passed. Guys, I literally brought nothing to the table. Please, I got a cup of please. dirt. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Listeners and the people I do this podcast with, I dropped the ball. All right. So I have a story for you. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary folk, he's back. And Byron... Way to take my fucking line. I wrote this in my notes. <laughs> I wrote it in my notes. Are you notes. serious? We both did that? Yes. We are. You're serious? We're good people. See, this is good. How do we keep doing that on this podcast? Because yeah, we're like-minded individuals. Good. You guys, yeah, you guys could uh, pilot one of those robots to fight kaiju. Oh, fuck yeah. Let's Pacific Rim this shit. Hell yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to start over because it has to, I, I need to do the whole introduction. Okay. I'm sorry I'm I fucked ready. up your flow, but that was a weird coincidence. For the third time tonight, I have a story for you. Ladies, okay. gentlemen, and non-binary folk, he's back and Byron than ever. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is right. We're going to be talking about my favorite kiss-stealing, wheeling, dealing, rule-breaking, palm-making son of a bitch, Lord Byron. 
Hell yeah. That was a lot to process. (laughs) Oh, I know. Well, he was a lot to process as a human being. Yeah, fair. I think that's apt, yes. He was was a lot to process as a human being. Uh, So we're here to talk today about how Lord Byron is probably still actually alive because the dude's a fucking vampire. Nice. My theory and ridiculousness stems from a few wild stories about his preferred drinking vessel and his friendship with Percy Shelley, the husband Mm. of Mary Shelley who gave us the wonderful Frankenstein. Oh, Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. Yeah, girl. <laughs> anyway, uh, so to fully understand this, I have to kind of give a little bit of background on the friendship between the Lord of all Lords and his friend Percy. <laughs> and his friend Percy Jackson. <laughs> Percy Jackson, the lightning thief? The lightning thief. Yeah, that was, his, that was his friend. Mary Shelley was married to at Camp, Camp Half-Blood. <laughs> Okay, so the two begin contact when Lord Byron starts porking Percy's stepsister, Claire. Oh my god. That's the best way to know people, I'll be honest. As all good Lord Byron stories start, it starts with an affair. So Claire invites Percy, Shelley, and Byron to meet her in Geneva because... Well, Byron was already there because he had one of his moments where Lord Byron was like, Fuck everyone and everything, I'm going away forever. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm, in, I'll see I'm literally you in therapy. one of those moods right now, so like I feel it. <laughs> so that's the thing. Like I love reading the Lord Byron stories where he's like, "Fuck everyone and everything. I'm going away forever." And then like he shows up again six months later and is like, "Why is no one wondering where I went?" Because I feel that constantly. <laughs> he's like a five year old. He's like, "I'm running away, and you'll never see me again." And then he's like at the light post, being like, "Why does no one miss me?" His idea of, like, object permanence and, like, person permanence is gone. Yeah, dude. So they all go to Lake Geneva for a little getaway. Shelley, who had been enamored with the works of our best worst boy, definitely agrees, and they all go and have a great time. This is also where they have their fun, fun time and... No, sorry, this is a little bit different, sorry. So Percy Shelley has a panic attack, which ends up being part of the inspiration for... Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein at a... Frankenstein, wow. Frankenstein! Frankenstein at a later date, also with Lord Byron involved, but that's another story. What I really love is that we goofed on the name Frankenstein, and all of a sudden, Zach couldn't figure out what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm it sorry. It reminds me of that one episode where we pronounced Incitatus wrong, Hey, and for the rest of the episode, Zach... Didn't know what the fuck he was doing. (laughs) I get easily flustered. (laughs) Uh, But Lord Byron does not, so we must press on. Uh, So, Shelley is... They go to to Lake Geneva, and they kind of chum it up for a little bit. He ends up having a panic attack. Uh, Shelley ends up having a panic attack, and is later okay, who's totally fine. But it ends up later on inspiring Frankenstein... Thank you. Uh, So it later ends up uh, doing the whole thing with Frankenstein, but that's another story. So Percy and Byron do a lot of, like, boating around Geneva just for fun because Percy Shelley really liked boating. And they become good chums throughout this entire thing. That is until uh, Lord Byron uh, kind of knocks up Percy's stepsister, which isn't great. Uh, Because they're not married. (laughs) He doesn't Having believe. children out of wedlock? Lord Byron, great yeah. at affairs, bad at the pullout game. Blasphemy! Oh my god. 
but they end up staying friends nonetheless. Like, they patch things up and things are okay. It's all good. Fast forward to July 8th, 1822. Percy Shelley sails out of Laverno on his new boat, the Don Juan, and washes up on shore ten days later, having died in a storm at sea at the age of 29. Ah, the the ripe old age of 29. I've just passed that landmark, and I'm waiting for the Lord to take me whenever. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever he feels in his heart is right. (laughs) I've opened my arms to the embrace of the Lord. Yeah, like then a Gregorian choir starts up. Yeah. It would be weird if there was a Gregorian choir in my parents' basement, but like, here we are. Hey, there's been weirder things that have happened. I would really hope not, given that it's my parents' basement, but like, you never know. Fair. Uh, So, yeah, he ends up dying out at sea in July 18th. He washes up on shore. But this is the part of the story where things get a little wacky, and why I say that Lord Byron is most definitely a vampire. Nope. Okay. So, this is, where again, where things get a little wild. Not the wild with the yeah. E at the end of it. That's an absolutely different mad lad. Yes. So, Lord Byron was known for keeping little knickknacks and keepsakes on him to remind him of the people he cared about. Uh, it was said mm. that when he traveled, he had a whole sheet that had pictures of his friends and people he cared about pinned up on it and he would never leave for a trip without it so he could always have the people that he cared about close to him so it would be absolutely natural that he would want something of his late friend percy shelley after the untimely death but guess what he requests Um, Hmm, something vampiric in nature i'd imagine (laughs) the blood of virgins something very specific Not his blood. Oh, God. He requests the man's skull. Stop it. Yes. But do you know why he wants the skull? So that he can drink from the skull of his enemies? So he can turn it into a cup. Yes. You gotta drink from the skull of your enemies, bro. Well, he wasn't an enemy. He was a friend, but yes, still drink. No, I know, but they, like, so they... Okay, but they were beefing at one point. They beefed at one point, so they were... They were beefing. Drink from the skulls of your frenemies. Hell yeah, buddy. Because who wouldn't want to drink wine from the head bones of your dear buddy? That honestly reminds me of there's a comic where this guy is like, I will drink from the skull of my enemies. And then it shows him drinking from a skull, but the wine is pouring out the eye sockets. And then he's just like going on this galactic conquest to find an enemy that didn't have eye sockets so that he could actually drink out of their skull. I'll have to look it up so that I can share it with you guys. Please do. But yeah, I'm ready. this level of macabre is something that not even I have achieved, and I'm kind of jealous. Uh, <laughs> so if anyone dies, please, can I have your skull? <laughs> I will write it into my will tomorrow. Fuck yes. Tomorrow. Why exactly does this make Byron a creature of the night? Uh, well, it might not be vampiric to have your breast... Your, your, one of your uh, bud's brain holders turned into a cup, but, you know... Are we just going to ignore the fact that he said breast in there? Uh, uh, breast. Listen. Anyway, anyway. I thought it was like a Freudian slip. Well, I you think know, it was a Freudian slip, but I'm here to call that shit out. Thanks. It was just a You're stumble. Welcome. Anyway, so 
he never actually gets the skull of Percy Shelley to turn into a mug. However... Well, that's a fucking ripoff. However... However... He definitely did have skull mugs. Uh, one nice. that was very famous in particular was a mug of a monk that was found at his Newstead Abbey estate. He is quoted to mention the piece saying, quote, The gardener, in digging, discovered a skull that had probably belonged to some jolly friar or monk of the abbey. About the time it was demonasterized. I hope I didn't fuck that up. Anyway, observing that it to be of giant size and in perfect state of preservation, a strange fancy seized me of having it set and mounted as a drinking cup. I accordingly sent it to town and it returned molted color of a tortoise shell. So he had this monk's skull, which he found to be egregiously large, set into a piece of, like, an actual stem, and he used it as a wine glass. Delightful. Oh my god. The dude takes it even further and writes a poem about it entitled, Lines Inscribed Upon a Cupped Formed from a Skull. Wow, shit. That's okay. subtle, Byron, baby. Absolutely yeah, subtle. I mean, you might as well make a poem that's just called, I Drink from the Skulls of Dead People. I mean, yeah, exactly. Uh, however, well, the, I think that's well, I think that's listen, actually have, what he titled it. Yeah, basically. let me let me let me see if uh, Lord Byron's <laughs> poems. So, I actually have the poem here, and it is four lines ooh, long. Ooh, uh, oh yes. my god! I need to hear and it. And let me <clears throat> yeah. let me get into my best mode for reading. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach is about to turn on the ASMR. Prepare your boners. Better to hold the sparkling grape than pure the earthworm's silky brood and circle in the goblet's shape the drink of gods than reptiles' food. See? Holy shit, I don't know about you guys, but I'm wet as fuck. <laughs> I just took a drink of water so my mouth is moist. <laughs> oh yeah, tell me more about your damp mouth. <laughs> Anyway. All right, I'm going to stop that now. I put my point further about his vampiric prowess by stating that up until that point in the early 1800s, vampires were described as hulking and hairy and monstrous beasts, things that were more yeah. akin to a brute. But in 1819, almost 80 years before Dracula was penned by Bram the Toker Stoker, um <laughs> his official name we're just adding a bunch of honorifics to people hell yeah there is a short story called the vampire v-a-m-p-y-r-e oh yeah um, ah. and it is a short story which describes a suave brooding gentleman whose illustrious nature draws in a traveler who he makes a pact with and ends up draining the blood of everyone who he loves a description other than the blood draining, that is almost exactly that of Lord Byron himself. Do you think he was probably flattered by that? Well, here's the thing. Lord Byron and John William Pilorty, who wrote the story, were friends. But it still nice. seems kind of sus that you're like, hmm, my super suave dashing friend, I'm going to make you the villain of this macabre tale. Um, now, 
Do you think that it's because of latent homosexuality? That's, uh, no, that's definitely Dracula. Mm. Dracula has a lot of latent homosexuality, and I can talk about Bram Stoker for days. And that's I realized the second, uh, I did say second Stroker. Freudian slip, because he did say Stroker. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, honestly, I'm just letting them slide so because the I love them. Here's the thing. <laughs> I Megan, felt that I that one these. was appropriate. That one was that a one little was intentional. Yeah. So. Bram Stroker is <laughs> his club name. His club name. But yes, yeah, so there is so much latent and latent homosexuality in Dracula and just Bram Stoker's life in general. But I can get into that on another day. Dude, for sure. Anyway, so I'm going to wrap this up by saying that even if Byron isn't a vampire... He still gave us the sexy version of vampires, which I utterly appreciate. However, in turn, it also means he gave us Twilight, and for that, I hate him. Okay, let's <laughs> and... be honest. Your hatred for Twilight is a better love story than Twilight. Um, Absolutely. But Okay, but when you started this story, you said that he might still be alive. Is there any evidence to support that? Or are no, we no. just going based on the assumption that he is a vampire? Based on the assumption that he was a vampire, he would still oh, okay. be alive. Unless go. someone staked him. But, like, I don't, I don't know, here's man. the thing. Here's the thing. It sounds like he, like he got staked enemies. a lot. I was going to say, I feel like he did more of the uh, staking, if you know what I mean. But. <laughs> jokes about premarital and out of uh, marriage sex. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> Well, do you think, like, I wonder if there's uh, one of those really funny pictures uh, where modern day people take pictures next to, like, uh, old oil paintings of people and they're like, holy shit, uh, they're that's the me. same person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I bet that if you, I bet if, if Lord Byron is actually a vampire and is still with us today, I guarantee, like, a goddamn serial killer. He's going to museums and things that have some of his works or painting of him, paintings of him, and he's just viewing that all the time, 24-7, waiting for someone to notice. He's like, hey. He's just standing there think... right next to a portrait of himself, and he's just like, oh, yeah, I guess I do look kind of like that guy. <laughs> he's just like... So strange. Sits there in front of the portrait, stroking his chin, saying, hmm. And when no one notices, he just a little louder... <clears throat> a little louder <clears throat> and once and more like, for the person yeah. in the back <laughs> i'm sorry are you an art critic do you have something to say about this piece nah that guy just looks pretty chill yeah he looks just uh... yeah he looks you know i'm just really i'm really admiring i've been told by gym. a lot of my friends that i look like this dude what do you think <laughs> <laughs> what do you think um, on a scale from one to really fuckable, like, where are you where? on that scale? Like, how do you feel about him? How do you feel about him? Just yeah. very curious. Uh, also, I just want to say, like, this, I hope this doesn't air, like, you know, dissuade your, your answer here, but, uh, I've been told I look a lot like him. I've been told that I look <laughs> So on a, a scale of one like to ten, him? how fuckable am I? <laughs> Yeah, this tinged yeah, gently, so, yeah, you know? So what I'm really trying to ask is, would you, you fuck me? I'd what fuck are you doing me. later? I'd what are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, what are you doing right now aside from looking at this portrait of a dusty old man? Wait, what? He looks like me? Shut up. Oh, no. Anyways. <laughs> Shut up. 
You find him. You find yourself really drawn to him. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think we've let that bit go on. I mean, I know that the whole purpose of improv comedy is uh, <laughs> yes and, but like we yes anded that motherfucker way longer than we needed to. <laughs> Um, we yes anded that as much as everyone underneath Lord Byron said yes and. Okay, oh and moving oh on to God. Megan. That's how I like well, to change gears. Yeah, I really like non sequiturs, but uh, unfortunately, um, mine is not as jovial as that one as hey, Lord Byron hey, drinking. Ladies and gentlemen yeah. of the audience. We now go to Ben's Depression Corner. That's true. (laughs) I will not be taking questions at this time, as I announced at the beginning. Uh, So, (laughs) my sister's been really into hoarders lately. Oh, my. Um, Yeah, she's been super into it, and so uh, inevitably I sort of get drawn into (laughs) it, and... Yeah, of that course, you're just walking me. by the living room, you see it on, and you're like, hey, what's the deal with this motherfucker? Yeah, kind of. Like, it, it's kind of like a black hole where you're just like, how does this happen? And her being into hoarders really reminded me of this trash fire of a story that a friend of mine told me. So this week on Hoarders, <laughs> uh, we will be talking about the Collier brothers. And I think I'm pronouncing that right. It's spelled C-O-L-L-Y-E-R. Um, okay. I understand that uh, every time I see a new last name, there is a 50-50 chance that I will not get it right. So for the sake Ladies of Ladies and gentlemen, what Megan Collier. is saying is don't at her. Don't at me. Thank you. Well, your statistics are better than mine. I got a 1 in 10 of, you know, getting it right. I got a 9 in 10 of one fucking 10. it up. Well, to quote John Green, uh, mispronunciation is our thing. So, uh, this would this would be the part of the introduction on hoarders, typically where they cut away to the actual hoarder themselves, and they're just like, I don't know how this started, and like they talk about their whole life. But unfortunately, uh, we don't have the brothers here with us because they're solidly deceased. Also, we don't have the budget. Um, and we do not have the budget, even we are if they on were our budget, alive. And that is pennies. <laughs> pennies. Uh, so I'm going to do it for them. Uh, so we have two brothers. The first one is Homer Lusk, and the second yes. one is Langley Wakeman, which yes. I assume are deep family names oh. because no normal person is named these things. Uh, and they were also the products of a first cousin union. Fucking noise. So, <laughs> yeah, is hell yeah, Off brother. to a great start. Yeah, already. that Just like every Hoarders episode, off to a wonderful start. It's about the trauma. They claimed that their ancestors had arrived in America on the ship The Fortune, and it was the ship that arrived in Massachusetts a year after the Mayflower. So they were like, our lineage is not the original, but... Pretty damn close. It's pretty far. Yeah, it's far back there, you know. Uh, so from what I could tell, they had a pretty normal childhood, and they both attended Columbia University, getting degrees in law, engineering, and chemistry. And Langley was an accomp- accomplished pianist. Like, he performed at Carnegie Hall. Uh, so, like, they were normal up until a certain point. Some of the people in their Harlem uh, neighborhood, though, said that their father, who was a gynecologist, was a little bit weird. Uh, and the only thing that I could find where they were like, 
I was like, why do they think they're that he's weird? And the only thing that could be quoted is uh, he used to paddle down the East River in a canoe to the city hospital that was on Blackwell Island and then carry it home again when he got back to Manhattan. And I'm like, dude, how else was he supposed to get there? Like, I guess he could have taken the subway, but like... But the train's unreliable. The canoe's, canoe's never unreliable. Yeah, like... But if the canoe's faster, like, maybe the dude just liked to go paddle, and that's not weird. Mind Here's your own the business. thing. If this dude is weird for going canoeing, every fucking person is weird. <laughs> yeah, Because right? I don't like... think, like, I know... A... Well, okay, so I grew up in New England. There are a ton of lakes around here, so pretty much every summer camp that I went to yeah. had... You canoed. You went canoeing. Yeah, you just, just learned how to fucking canoe. Yeah. So I'm I just, almost like, don't certain get why that like we're all weirdos in the yeah, light I guess. And eyes of I, these people. I guess like the the one defining factor is the canoe, but like whatever. Um so in nineteen nineteen their parents separate and they chose to live in two separate houses. They were pretty close to each other. And when their parents died, they left the brothers all of their worldly possessions, and the brothers moved into their mother's Harlem brownstone residence. And after their mother's death in 1929, for four years after that, they continued to socialize with people. But then Homer lost his eyesight uh, due to hemorrhages in the back of his eyes. Ooh. So as that's so pretty... often happens. As so often happens in 19. 19- 33 at this point it, it was the depression but uh well, that the does bro- sound Lane... pretty depressing well the great depression <laughs> i was morally yes to. i would also be greatly depressed if i lost my eyesight please continue waka waka yeah <laughs> <laughs> the joke is that i don't acknowledge the great depression blindness So, Langley quits his job as a piano dealer to care for his brother, and that's kind of when things start to go really downhill. Is it bad that when you said piano dealer, all I could think of was (laughs) a guy in a trench coat just like, hey, kid, you want a piano? Wait, wait, wait. Honestly, These guys are from New York. You gotta be like, hey, can I introduce you to a piano? Hey, you come back into this alley. You look in the back of my van. You want this piano here? I got a great Studebaker for ya. Forget about it. And the thing is, like, none of them are keyboards either. Like, they're full, full. Yeah, it's grand a fucking baby grand piano. piano no, in the fucking not baby ba- grand. Not a baby it's grand. It's just a grand piano. Full a full size fucking piano. Yeah, dude. Piano. All in his coat. We don't know how he does it. Scientists are baffled. <laughs> Anyways, please continue. So, uh, they started withdrawing from society, you know, no more pianos were being dealt at this time, and they began to be fearful of changes that they started seeing in their neighborhood, like, because of the Great Depression, but also they were, they were pretty racist, and they were, uh, weren't really comfortable in the shift in racial, racial demographics that the area was undergoing. I absolutely love that, like, you buried the lead there a little bit, just like, uh, they started to get a little bit unnerved by their neighborhood. Also, also definitely somewhere racist. in the back there. Well, because I was reading, I, I was reading about them withdrawing from society, and uh, it was like, 
Yeah, they started getting a little squirrely about things happening in Harlem. You know, there was the Great Depression. There were different kinds of people. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's a oh, way to I say see. that they were racist as fuck. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were really racist, actually. Oh, no. uh, and then when they were asked why they chose to shut themselves off from the world, they said, we don't want to be bothered which I found really funny. I mean, I think that's going to be my new. I'm just going to say that to people. I don't want to yeah. be bothered. Well, I hey, think Matt, it's like I don't want so to be bothered. Upfront. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, some people are just like, "Oh no, I've been really busy. I'm going through things." They're just like, "Nah, dude, just like leave us alone." <laughs> I don't want to be bothered. Yeah, don't bother me. Don't at me. Don't perceive me. Thank you, Thank none. You. Fuck off. <laughs> Thank you, none. So, needless to say, rumors started to spread about them in their neighborhood. And this led to, like, crowds of people congregating outside of their house. No! Can you imagine being the type of person that says, I don't want to be bothered, and then everyone fucking bothers you? Yeah, dude! Well, like, the only thing I could think of is why they really drew so much attention is because nothing was really going on in the Great Depression. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no one was really work. It's kind of like the pandemic, right? Like, everyone was always home, and so they were just, like, calling the cops on each other a whole it lot. It was a pretty like, Great Depression. Yeah, it was a really great, big the hugest depression we've ever seen. All I can think of, though, in this entire moment is just the life of Brian. Where it's like, oh, why? he's the Messiah! I'm not the Messiah! <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and then everyone's the following him around like he's the Messiah. Yeah, except That's these people were just, one. like, sideshows. They were I just think, normal people. people. They were just normal people. They were normal so... people that didn't want to come out of their house, and everyone's like, that's a bit sus. They were just like, leave us alone. So already they're scared, right? Like they're already paranoid and they just became more scared <laughs> at this point. These so they men started, were they Willy were so Wonka. Scared. Yeah, they were Willy Wonka. Without the candy factory and just a normal apartment. And lots yeah, more racism. Dude. And yeah, way more, more racism. racism. Well, uh, way more racism. Let's be honest. He doesn't treat those Oompa Loompas, right? Willy Wonka kept slaves, and I'm tired of yeah. acting like he didn't. That's true. I'm also sitting here thinking like, oh, look at that. They're sitting in there in their apartment, and they don't want to be bothered. Let's go poke him with a stick. <laughs> let's go bother him. <laughs> let's Steve let's, Irwin this son of a bitch. Let's go see. So these guys were pretty, they were even more scared and so they started boarding up their windows and doors. Oh, fuck. Then people, then people started spreading more rumors about them, saying that they had a lot of cash in their house, <laughs> which led to a series of break-ins. No! And then, I know. And then Langley was like, "I'm done with this." So he uses his Columbia University engineering skills, and he started to construct booby traps and tunnels among their collection of trash. So he Kevin McAllistered this shit. Yeah, dude. He was, like, home alone it before Home Alone was a thing. It, so, like, soon their house was, like, a labyrinth, right? And Homer and Langley were living as spiders in, like, these central nests that they had made for each other. And um, as they lived together, Langley took care of his brother, and he was determined to cure him through diet and rest. But this diet was batshit <laughs> because it, <laughs> it consisted of, of black bread peanut butter, and a hundred oranges a week. (laughs) 
It's it's because he needs to vitamin C again. Oh my I... fucking god. <laughs> I'm a terrible person, but I was right there. Dude, Shout I out to Steve Gertler. That. We miss you a lot, bud. Oh, oh yes. god. Yeah, dude. Like, I saw the hundred oranges thing. I was like, man, that's too many <laughs> that's oranges. too much acid. <laughs> It's like, yeah, dude, it's How not How do you great. not get he, heartburn? I don't know, man, but he claimed it was curing his brother's blindness. <laughs> we did say he was an engineer, I, not a doctor, right? Imagine the fucking check-in at the end of the week. Well, brother, you've eaten a hundred more oranges. How do you feel? Still blind. I feel like I ate a hundred oranges and I'm still blind. We will eat a hundred more. We'll get to the well, bottom of this. We'll start again next week. I mean... It's fasting time this weekend. I was gonna say, this would be a lot easier if they lived in Florida, but no, they live in New York. Oh, yeah, they solidly live in New York, dude. And no, he didn't have medical... He didn't have medical expertise, but since his dad... Their dad was a doctor, so uh, they refused a lot of medical treatment, like, because his brother ended up not only blind but paralyzed because of rheumatism and they were like we don't trust doctors because we have way more we have way more medical books than normal people yeah he sure as shit didn't get paralyzed from scurvy well no he didn't he was that was the one thing he didn't get an astute observation Uh, yeah they just they knew too much medicine for the doctors dude like they they just knew too much and that's why they didn't go to the doctor. Uh, so then, uh, at this point, Langley starts scouring the city after midnight for food that was going to be thrown out so that he could bring it back to his brother. That was, like, the only time that he went out. And he also brought back trash, too, because he just, like, collected things around the yeah, city. Yeah, hell yeah. I also yeah, am a yeah. trash collector. <laughs> I'm, a tra- I'm the trash I'm man. I'm the trash man. I'm the, I'm trash, the trash man. man. That, that was Langley after midnight, and only after midnight. Uh, so by the 1930s, the house was in disrepair, and it had no utilities because they all got shut off. And when Langley caught his neighbors trying to look into their house, he immediately wrote a check and bought their property. He was like, do not look into my house. Again, do not perceive me. What a okay, fucking remind flex, Remind me though. again, how, how are they rich? So their their mom and dad had left them some some money, oh, but yeah, okay. they didn't they didn't work, and they also weren't using anything. Like they weren't buying food. Remember, they weren't yeah, paying yeah, yeah. just one hundred oranges. Well, yeah, they well presumably he was scouring the city for these hundred oranges. <laughs> My street orange. Yeah, the the rare street orange. Um, so in 1939, the, the brothers draw a crowd of a thousand onlookers oh. when, yeah, no one leaves these guys alone, though. Uh, they drew a crowd of a thousand onlookers when they tried to fight gas workers who wanted to remove the meters in their house that had been shut off for, like, roughly a decade. And then in 1942, they made the news again when they failed to pay their mortgage for three years. And when a newspaper interviewed Langley about why he kept so many newspaper bundles in his house, he was like, well, when I inevitably cure my brother uh, of his blindness, he can then catch up on the news with all the newspapers I've been saving for 30 years. I love that. Yeah, I love that for them. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So in, in the same year, uh, the bank tries to evict the brothers, but when the police attempt to break into the house, they were met with, like, a sheer wall of junk that Langley had, like, piled on the windows and the doors. And Langley, like, managed to crawl out of the junk and, without speaking, wrote them a check for $6,700 or, in today's money, uh, $106,000. $122. I love it when the math is pre-done for me. Yeah. I'm I know. also I... thinking, I'm also thinking, so like a brownstone is like just a regular townhouse sort of apartment yeah, style it's... thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the thing that's kind of, I'm just picturing sort of like a an animated or like 3D animated something where like a cop shows up at the door and you just see this sprawling expanse of nothing in a space that you like... <laughs> no should not be that big and there's just this little rat man who is fucking ferreting his way through a bunch of trash yeah and he's just like how much is the mortgage <laughs> and then he just writes a check I'll somehow so um to, to finish up because we are in the home stretch of this story yeah. uh in in march 1947 an anonymous tip is called into the mypd and this The anonymous tip is like, hey, there's a funky smell coming from this trash house. Oh, God. Can you can you come and investigate? And the police is like, yeah, fine, whatever. We've been having problems with this house forever. And they had to dig through walls of junk and they found Homer dead from heart disease and starvation. But they couldn't find Starvation? He was eating 100 oranges (laughs) a week. (laughs) It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. But they couldn't find his brother, which prompted a manhunt that spanned over nine states. Fuck. Why? He never left his house. <laughs> no, they were like, where is he? But he was prepped to leave the house, apparently. It was all the street, street yeah, oranges he went like, scavenging for. They are like, how far afield did he go for the street oranges? In the meantime, the police continued to clear out the house where they found, among other things, a horse's jawbone, yes. an x-ray machine, mm-hmm. and over 100 tons of trash. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And then in April, they found the body of Langley, 10 feet from where Homer had died, and he was trying to bring food to his brother, but had tripped one of his own traps, and he had died of asphyxiation. Fuck. All right. Well, damn. Well... Listen, they had a lot of junk, dude. Yeah. All right. Like, a whole baby crib fell on him. 
a whole baby crib. Like, uh, well, they had they had a lot of things. They had a lot of things in this house. I was about like, to say, I, I didn't know if he was going to get killed by one of his own booby traps or just, like, hit over a wall of newspapers that, like, coll- like avalanched down and buried him. It was going to be one or the other. Dude, that's, like, essentially what happened. Like, a lot of stuff fell on him. And you just... And, like, he died. Help, I've fallen you know? and I can't get up. And then yeah, his like, brother's just like, I'm too starved because oranges <laughs> only, literally don't sustain people. I've only been eating oranges for the past 30 years. Did you guys want to hear uh, briefly some of the more interesting things that they kept in their houses, their house really quick? Uh, yes, I mean, yes, yes. Rifle through okay. that. Yeah, okay. So some of the more interesting things that they that they had were uh, human organs pickled in jars. Ooh. Yeah. Eight live cats. What? Yep, eight live cats. Uh, okay. The chassis of a, an old Model T. I do not know how he got it in the house, but what? <laughs> I don't. I can't. I can't <laughs> tell you how he possibly. This man was like, I have to take care of my brother. He is blind. He is paralyzed. But also, what if I? took this car and I, I fit it in my browns. <laughs> what if I had a Model T? What if I had a Model T in my home? Uh, 14 pianos. Okay. Okay. That checks out. Well, he was... That actually checks he was out. was a piano dealer. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, he was a piano dealer. Um, so that that makes a he lot of sense. He also presumably had a trench coat wherein eternity existed. <laughs> and he could just stuff those yeah. pianos in there to sell them to children on the street. No, that's that's probably that's probably true. It like was a, a trench thousand. coat of holding. <laughs> and I don't know why, but he had 34 bank account passbooks for like no good reason. Okay. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah I don't I don't know, dude. But then there was just a lot of garbage. Also the chair that Homer died in was uh exhibited in, to the public oh, up until 1956. Okay. Um, yeah, so they just they just sort of had it. Let's also, keep, Megan invading these people's lives. Uh, yeah, you they, said it was a hundred oranges a week or a hundred oranges a day. Oh no, it was a hundred oranges a week. Okay, so uh, no wonder he's starved. That's like roughly four hundred and fifty calories a week. Well, remember he was also eating peanut butter and black bread. Okay, but <laughs> peanut butter, two tablespoons of peanut butter is like another thirty calories. Like fuck, and dude. fucking trash, Zach. Come on. He was, he eating, was eating 14 trash oranges too. a day. 14 oranges a day. 14 I'm sad for this man. And because I'm sad for this man, I think I want to move on. Is that okay with yeah. both of you? No, yeah. that's fine. So I, I know that was a longer story, but it was so juicy. There was yeah, just so just much. just like a ripe orange. Uh, yeah, anyway. dude, Ha-cha-cha. like 100 orange, like 14 Ha-cha-cha. oranges a day juicy, one could say. This episode is brought to you by Death Roll Apparel, a Florida-bred, satanic, unapologetic, in-your-face clothing company that takes a stand against racism and religion, and also parties with the best of them. I'm currently wearing my meaner-than-a-junkyard dog shirt, which by far is one of my favorite shirts that I own right now. Listeners of What the Fuck History can get 15% off their entire order by using our coupon code, WTFPOD. 
That's one word, W-T-F-P-O-D. You can find them at www.deathrollapparel.com or on Instagram at deathrollapparel. What is what is your story? Because I've been story. super interested in this. My fucking story. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you guys about Saint Olga of Kiev. Yes. She was born in 903 CE, which Zach and I I had a brief brain fart before the episode, and I was like, "What does CE stand for?" And he goes, "In what context?" The common era, era, era. Com- yeah, and then I had the Bo Burnham moment where I was like, "That's before yeah. the common era, common era, 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 era." Um, so she's basically super boring up until the point where her husband Igor dies. <laughs> up until the point where she is unshackled by masculine energy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much and yes. <laughs> I, I need you to understand just how unshackled she is, so I'm going to tell you all about it. But it's also important to note that she had a child with Igor, because you just have to picture this as, like, what if your mom was capable <laughs> of what this woman was capable of? What if your mom was also a saint and also... Uh, We're going to talk about the sainthood uh, later because I am baffled, but please continue. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's super baffling. What's funny, though, is um, clearly in 903, they were just like, let's kill people in fun ways. Because the way Igor was killed, <laughs> the Drevians, uh, which oh, were a force me? of other people essentially pulled down two trees or like bent them back to a point where they could access the treetops. They tied rope around Igor's legs and then they let the trees go just to let Igor fucking boom goes the dynamite. (laughs) Just team rocket blasting off again. Except it's guts and viscera. (laughs) So they, like, catapulted them. Yeah, except... Their legs were the still trees, attached to the trees. The trees were decently spaced apart, and he got ripped in half. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I get it. So, like, a It's essentially like being better. drawn and quartered, yeah, but with trees. So, after her husband dies, Olga becomes the leader of what's known as the Kievan Rus, which is basically Russia before Russia was Russia, and it also encompasses parts of Belarus and the Ukraine. Igor and Olga's son at the time of Igor's death, uh, he was only three years old. Also, I have his name in my notes, but I don't know if I want to piss anyone off by trying to say it. <laughs> or, can you send it in chat and can then we all? Oh, yes. All yeah, I'll, I'll copy it into chat, but I okay. will I will take a pass at it right now. Uh, Sviatoslav. I want to try. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'm posting it in chat right now, so we can we can pass this around. Okay. Oh. Sviatoslav. 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 Yeah, that's how I'd say. Okay. It too. Yeah, that's all right. Okay. So I was close, I I guess, but um, because he was only three years old, he's too young to rule, and so the throne passed to Olga. The thing is. The Drevians who had killed Igor thought that they were dealing with just your normal noblewoman, like a stuffy whatever. And so Prince Mal of the Drevians 
makes a conscious decision to... What the fuck? What is happening? Oh, <laughs> he's trying to figure out how to pronounce it. And how do you pronounce it? Sivatoslav. Yeah, Sivatoslav. We were saying it right. I'm sorry. I thought my mic was, you know, muted. So I can Yeah, no. I think you have to leave that in the episode. (laughs) Okay, so after killing her husband, um, Prince Mal, uh, thinking that he's dealing with a regular noblewoman, decides that he's going to offer his hand in marriage. Because, you know, if you can't beat him, join him. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So he sends a group of 20 horsemen, essentially, to uh, the Kievan Rus territory and asks for Olga's hand in marriage. And I'm going to give you guys just a moment to guess how she handled that. Oh, I know how she Um, handled it. Did she kill him? I mean, she definitely killed them. What she did is she dug a ditch next to their boat and flipped the boat over and buried them alive. She's like, how? Yeah, no, good Dare question. You. But I'm definitely not gonna go into uh, not gonna go into details. Instead, I'm gonna tell you what she did after that. Um, so Twitter didn't exist. Uh, Facebook didn't exist. All of these true. things that convey information quickly uh, didn't exist. So she just sent a message back to Prince Mal, and she was like, "Hey, bud. By the way, twenty horse riders ain't shit." Send me some of your chieftains. Like, send me send me your best boys. Send me those best boys. And Prince Mal was like, of course, I should have known from the start that a noblewoman would not want to be wooed by, you know, just horsemen. So he sends all of his chieftain, or like a select few of his higher-up higher chieftains. And um, when these chieftains arrived... Olga's extending them a warm welcome. She's saying, hello, welcome, we've prepared a feast. But before you have a feast, please take some time in our bathhouse and wash up. And all these guys, they they had been riding, and they say, like, soup's good idea, lady. Let's fucking get clean. She locked the door and burned them all alive. <laughs> Honestly, what a hero. She's like, you've insulted me once, but honestly, you have been insulting women forever, and I will single-handedly uh, remedy that. Thank you. I will not be taking so questions. So, <laughs> what, I, what I really love, though, is that uh, this is sort of the epitome of fool me once, shame on you. But the thing is, Prince Mal didn't even have a way of knowing that his people were dead. He just thought, like... Oh, she's thinking about it. <laughs> you know women. They just they have <laughs> they to They just have to think about it a lot. Um, so after she kills all these motherfuckers, she devises a plan to end all the Drevians at once. And she announces, she actually sends a message to these people and says that she's coming to the Drevian capital. And she's going to have a feast of mourning for her late husband, Igor. And Prince Mal is like, well, of course we should be accommodating. This is like, this is an honor to have her. And if, uh, like, I'm I'm trying to bone down. So, yeah, mostly trying to bone down. Thank <laughs> he's you. definitely he's definitely mostly trying to bone down. 
after the Drevians got drunk on mead, she had her men kill 5,000 of them. Okay. Yeah, no, that seems reasonable. Yeah, no, for sure. Honestly, everything that she's doing, I think, is something that every uh, woman or female identifying person has wanted to do. <laughs> I, think, so. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Yeah, I think so. So the Drevians, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, but I think uh, the Drevians that were left over started to beg her for mercy. Obviously, they were like, we fucked around, we found out. Uh, figure. Uh, we didn't like we it. felt froggy. We jumped, and it was bad. Yeah. Let us know how we can make this up to you. And she goes, "Yeah, guys. I'll be honest. I've been pretty. I've been pretty brutal. Um. So here's the deal. And uh, this is like a direct accounting of what happens. She says to these people, "Give me three pigeons and three yep. sparrows from each house." I do not desire to impose a heavy tribute like my husband, but I require only this small gift from you, for you are impoverished by the siege. So, all she wants is some, some fucking sparrows, some pigeons. Yep. Um, so, she gives all of her soldiers a pigeon or a sparrow, and she orders them to attach to each pigeon and sparrow a piece of sulfur that's bound with a piece of cloth. Wait, the sulfur is attached to the birds. Yeah, by like a piece of string. Okay. I'm just trying I'm just trying to, you know, Yeah, 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 yeah. piece everything together. It's wrapped in cloth, it's attached to pigeons, and uh the pigeons are sent out into the city. When night falls, Olga tells her soldiers to release these pigeons and the sparrows that they've set up uh, to do. And the birds fly back into the town where they've built their nests. And, uh, you know, they've, they've essentially made homes in this city and whatever. And then she lit some shit on fire. Yeah, that seems accurate. And because there was sulfur all over the fucking place, everything caught on fire (laughs) this town is on fire and because everything caught on fire at once there was no way to extinguish the flames because you'd essentially be pulling water from a burning building to douse a burning building (laughs) it's the idea of fighting fire with fire um but when people started to run away from the city she ordered her soldiers to catch them uh, and presumably kill them. She she took the city, burned it, and captured the elders of the city. She gave some away as slaves, killed most of them, and then left the rest to pay her. <laughs> See, I... She was like, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> pay fuck me. You, pay Where's me. the money? Oh. Where's my money? I see. I uh, I've heard that the ending story before. Yeah, and it's funny because there are like multiple accounts of it because it is like history that's far far back. So it's a little bit wishy washy in some parts. There's some that say yeah. that she lit fires after the birds landed, but there is one account that I read that stated that she attached like 
something burning to the end of the pigeon as it flew. And you just had a bunch of fucking firebirds, like, flying through the air, going to their nests. I'd be so happy if that was, like, an actual case, like, if that really happened. But my only thought is that there'd be no way to do that. Yeah. I don't know. That's probably, like, a more theatrical version. the second that you something burning to a pigeon, it's just gonna catch on fire. Yeah, I mean, that is the more, like, drama, dramatized, dramatized, that's the word I'm looking for, dramatized version of the story. But I, I like that, that version be better the story because it's that like, Procopius wrote. Yeah, Procopius writes about Kiev. <laughs> okay, oh. and uh, because you asked about it earlier, Megan, the reason that she was sainted is because her son actually went on to uh, inspire Christianity to spread through... Oh, yeah. So basically, you can burn a lot of people, you can kill a lot of people, you can destroy an entire city, but you made Christianity a thing, so here's a sainthood. So here's a sainthood. I mean, St. Patrick was sainted because he, you know, drove all the snakes from, but that just meant that he killed a bunch of druids. Snakes. (laughs) Yup. So... Did she actually believe in Eastern Orthodox Christianity, or was it just, uh, uh, I am holy because of the fruit of my womb? In my research, it it said that she, I think she had converted to Christianity, but she was not the reason for its widespread acceptance in Kievan Rus culture. Uh, so yeah, it's sort of like she was... She was made a saint because she gave birth to the man who eventually spread uh, Christianity through Russia. And what is she the saint of? Is she the saint of fire and destruction? I would imagine or... so. Yeah. Let me let me let me see really quick. I would say uh, that she is the saint of righteous glory. Righteous, righteous, righteous glory vengeance. Is, okay. So we think that she's uh, the saint of fire, destruction, righteous vengeance, or um, she's the saint of widows and converts. Oh, that's fucking lame. Is that actually what she is? That's fucking lame. Jesus. I'm going with my theory. Yeah, I'm also going with my theory. I don't give a shit about what... She's the saint of chaos. (laughs) Honestly, the picture that I just looked up, too, that was done by uh, Mikhail Nesterov, she looks really done. She's like, I don't know why <laughs> yeah, this. She does. I don't know why this halo is here. Honestly, I've never seen a cross in my whole life. Uh, is this a weapon? And if yes, how do I? Yeah, if it? yes, I'm, I will set it on fire, no matter what you tell me. It does. Thank you. But anyways, <laughs> that's my story about Saint Olga of Kiev. Saint pending Olga. She also. <laughs> Kiev. She also um, changed her name to Elena. When she was sainted, I think. Oh, oh so was she sainted in her life? She must have been. Or, no, maybe she did it when she was... When she... I oh, maybe when she converted, Hold she changed on. to a Christian When she converted yeah. to Christianity? Yeah. Okay, so she actually did it. convert to Christianity. Yeah. That's disappointing. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so, like... Y'all will have to forgive my note taking, no. no, my no, lazy no. note taking no, no, no. today. No, it's I was also one of those things where, tired as, as I said, like there are so many different accounts of stories that happened a long, 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 long time ago. So yeah, it's hard to get everything. And again, we don't pay the interns enough 
to do all the research for us because we don't pay them anything. Oh, dude, this is so funny. So when she went to Con- uh, Constantinople, right, um, to to get baptized by yeah. the the emperor. Uh, it says, after her baptism, the emperor summoned Olga and made known to her that he wished to become, wished her to become his wife. But she replied, how can you marry me after yourself baptizing me and calling me your daughter? For among Christians, that is unlawful, as you yourself must know. <laughs> I love her so much. Then the emperor said, Olga, you have outwitted me. He gave her many gifts of gold, silver, silks, and various vases, and dismissed her, still calling her his daughter. What a fucking simp. <laughs> OG simp. Olga, you have outwitted me. I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hey, I know that you're smarter than me, but it's kind God, of a turn on. Down? <laughs> yeah, he's still... So... So that's our tales yeah. for the evening. So I think what we've taken away from that is that she is a true hero, and also that Constantine was the original simp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we also learned we also mm-hmm. learned that, um, and that spiritual incest is a no go in the church. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's in the right. that's in the, that's Bible, in the Bible, definitely. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? Is that a wrap? Uh, uh, I, I think so. I think it's um, more of a burrito, but yes. Ooh. I'm snarky. Oh, yeah, that's right? fair, Fuck. I suppose. Too much Lord Byron yeah, makes buddy. me snarky. Yeah, there, <laughs> there aren't really any other good, uh, todays in history. I mean, except, um, if you guys are interested, this one is pretty funny just because it's Andrew... Andrew Johnson. President Andrew Johnson is acquitted of all charges of impeachment. Well... Um, Nice. Yeah, we've been there, done that twice. We have been, yeah. Oh, and in 1946, a patent is filed in the United States for the H-bomb, so good for us. Good for us. Way to go, us. Amen, brother. Oh, 1969, though, the Apollo 10 returns to Earth. (laughs) Nice on both accounts. (laughs) 1969. But yeah, that's, that's the end. That is the end. Um, uh, hang on. I'm just checking my notes real quick. Uh, I feel like I had something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. What the fuck, history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at Triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at The underscore Triumvirate underscore Productions. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.